You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Forty-six-year-old Richard Arenas lived in Providence, Rhode Island, with his wife of 22 years, Beatrice, and his young son. He and Beatrice had three children together and two grandchildren, whom Richard doted on. He was the perfect man, perfect dad, perfect everything, Beatrice said. Richard was a hard worker, always on the go. He had a job as a mechanic and forklift driver, and when he wasn't doing that, he was out and about working on other people's vehicles for them. He garnered a reputation in his community as someone anyone could go to for help and ask a favour of. He loved socialising and hosting gatherings at his home, cooking big meals and making everyone feel welcome. He enjoyed playing baseball and attending his local church, often arriving with coffees in hand for people. His friends said Richard cared for those he knew, and those he'd only met a few times in equal measure. He didn't need to spend much time with someone to start helping them out and doing them favours. Wednesday, June 12th, 2013. It was Richard's day off from work. Not one to take a break, he told Beatrice he was finally going to start working on his friend's car. He said he'd been meaning to do it for ages, and with a free day, he finally had some time to take a look. Beatrice left to go to work for a couple of hours, and his son headed off to school. Just before 10am, with his friend's car in the driveway, Richard called his nephew, Hector, who would often help him out with his jobs. The pair gathered their tools and got to work. About half an hour later, Hector went inside to grab a lighter so he could have a cigarette, leaving Richard alone by the car. Less than a minute later, Hector heard three loud popping sounds. He ran outside to find his uncle on the ground. He was covered in blood and unresponsive. At around 11am, Beatrice returned home from work to find police cars filling the street. She said the minute she saw the yellow tape... She knew it was bad news, but she had no idea the tape was blocking her house. As she ran over, she saw her husband covered in a blanket on the ground. Hector was sobbing, and everybody was just staring in stunned silence. Richard Arenas was pronounced dead at the scene. He had been shot three times in the head and would have died instantly. It simply made no sense to anyone. Police were horrified that this had happened in broad daylight, on a residential street with people coming and going, and a busy road just next to it. Detective Jason Simonor was heading the investigation, and he said there was so little to go on, he was instantly nervous. He said the one thing the team did feel confident about, however given the way Richard had been killed, was that this was a cold-blooded assassination. But who would want to take a hit out on Richard Arenas? Everybody was at a loss, a 
and no one had any potential suspects. His family were trying their best to put any pieces they could together, but there were simply no pieces. The only person that was around at the time was Hector, who had left his uncle alone for less than a minute before this all happened. Detectives said they found it a little questionable that all of this had happened while he was inside for such a short time. After questioning him and taking statements, it was evident that he was distraught. He hadn't been there to help or been able to try and stop what had happened. Detectives were able to rule him out as being involved in any way, and they started going door to door. Most people were out at work or school, and the people that were at home hadn't heard or seen anything. One of the neighbours just across the street from Richard had several security cameras outside, and he said police could take a look at them. Despite initially being nervous that there was no one around that morning that could offer them any information, when it came to looking at the cameras, the police were very grateful for them. The morning of June the 12th was a quiet one. By 10am, the work and school run was long over, and the street was virtually empty. This made the detectives' jobs a lot easier when it came to spotting something or someone out of place. No one was picked up on camera around the time that Richard was shot, apart from one person. Eight minutes before everything happened, a man walked onto Leah Street, heading in the direction of Richard's home. He walks past his driveway and carries on down the street. No shots are fired, and nothing out of the ordinary appears to happen in that moment. It appeared he had walked past and taken a turn at the end of the road, before disappearing. Another neighbour, about three doors down, also had several cameras pointing in various directions. One of them was on the back, looking over the neighbouring street, one on the side, and one right by the front door. His footage also picked up the same man, and this time, it showed him with a hood covering his face. The man can then be seen walking over to Richard's driveway. Less than a minute after he had entered Lear Street for the second time, he sprinted away. Police believe that whoever this was, he had been scouting the area, looking for Richard's house, and making sure he was there. After he was sure he was, he walked back around, concealed his face, then came back to shoot him. Not one other person was spotted coming or going around that time, and police knew that this was Richard's shooter. But, with grainy and blurry CCTV being all they had to go on, their work had really only just begun. But they did know the man had seemingly arrived on foot, implying he would likely live fairly close and that they weren't looking for a vehicle. They were also only looking for one person at this time. To the shock of the detectives, just a few streets away, they found a gun wrapped in a grey sweatshirt. It had been just left in an alleyway without even really being concealed. The gun was sent off for testing, and officers turned their attention to the stores and various businesses around the area, hoping for a potential lead on one of the cameras. It looked like the gun had been wrapped in a grey sweatshirt the man was wearing on the street, and this meant they were now looking for a completely new set of clothes. Several days went by as they scrutinised every piece of footage in that area from around that time. On one camera outside a shop, 
Just after 10.30 that morning, they spotted a man walking past. After comparing the footage and looking at the way he walked, his size and build, and what trousers he was wearing, they felt fairly confident that this was probably him. But it still wasn't enough to get a clear ID on his face. Just a street away from the shop, a final camera picked up the man crossing the road and walking towards a block of apartments. A few minutes later, the same man came back out with a dog. He had changed into shorts, but was wearing the same white T-shirt. After going door-to-door in the apartment building, showing the picture of the man and asking anyone if this person looked familiar, they knocked on one door, which was met with a dog barking and growling. A man named Stephen opened it, apologising about the noise. Detective Simonor asked him about his whereabouts that morning, or if he had seen or heard anything. But Stephen said he couldn't help them. He'd been at work all day, and his brother was looking after his dog. The minute they saw Stephen's dog, the detectives knew it was the same one from the CCTV. But it definitely wasn't Stephen walking it, and after seeing a picture of his brother, they knew it wasn't him either. Stephen was angry that someone he didn't know was out and about with his dog, and, unbeknownst to him, likely using this as an alibi. Detectives asked him to come down to the station, and while he was there, he called his brother, demanding to know what was going on. His brother said, Oh, that's my boy, Judea. Finally, they had a name. About six weeks after the murder of Richard Arenas, Police announced they had made an arrest in Alabama, over 1,200 miles away. Tonight, Providence police believe they've solved the murder of a Providence father who was tragically gunned down outside of his home. Police tell us they've issued an arrest warrant for a 19-year-old suspect in the June 12th shooting death of Richard Arenas. The 46-year-old Arenas was working on a car outside of his Lee Street home when he was killed. Police are not releasing the name of the suspect, but say it's someone they are familiar with. On July 26th, a 19-year-old named Judea Dixon was placed under arrest and held without bail. We've learned 19-year-old Judea Dixon will be charged with murdering Richard Arenas. Dixon was taken into custody last Friday by U.S. Marshals in Alabama. He is currently being held in Alabama as a fugitive from justice. Judea was already known to police and was actually also wanted in Superior Court on another unrelated shooting in Providence. In May 2012, Judea had shot Amori Santos outside a gas station. According to Amori, Judea was staring at him as he was filling his tyres with air. The two then exchanged some heated words before Judea pulled out a gun and shot him in the stomach. Fortunately, Amori survived and was able to positively identify him. The testing had also come back during this time period and it proved that the DNA found on Richard's clothes matched the DNA found on the gun that had been dumped, and all of it linked to Judea Dixon. As relieved as they were, they had finally found the person responsible for not one, but two awful crimes. They still didn't know why he'd done what he'd done. There just was no motive at all, and Judea wasn't talking. He pleaded not guilty and refused to say anything. Now do at 5.30, a suspected gunman heads to court. 
Dixon was later arrested in Alabama and returned to Rhode Island today to face a judge. Eyewitness News reporter Marilyn Cher is live with the Providence Mobile Newsroom with more. There was agony and a few outbursts in the courtroom today as the man charged with murdering a Providence husband and father was brought to justice. Video surveillance depicting the suspect. 19-year-old Judiah Dixon stood handcuffed before a judge in Providence District Court to face a first-degree murder charge for the shooting death of Richard Arenas in June. Dixon was silent other than to tell the judge he couldn't afford an attorney. I am referring to the public defender. Police accused Dixon of gunning down Arenas on June 12th in broad daylight as he was working on his car in the driveway of his Mount Pleasant home. A warrant was issued for Dixon's arrest after police say he fled the city and federal marshals finally located him in Alabama. The defendant did flee the jurisdiction after becoming aware that these charges uh, were forthcoming and actually fled, attempted to flee the Alabama authorities when they had tried to arrest him. The family of 46-year-old Arenas, a mechanic with a wife, three children, and grandchildren, was present in the courtroom and began yelling as Dixon was taken away in handcuffs and held without bail. Now, Dixon is due back in court for another bail hearing on September 4th. Police are not saying what a motive may have been for the killing. Reporting live with the Providence Mobile Newsroom, Marilyn Shara, Eyewitness News. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Preparations for trial started moving ahead, and it was undoubtedly a strong case. Just before it was set to start, however, Judea's legal team announced he had changed his plea. In court, he pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and weapons charges. He also pleaded guilty to the non-fatal shooting of Amori in 2012. Man faces a judge this morning and is sentenced to life in prison for the killing of a Providence man back in June of 2013. Junior Dixon entered a guilty plea to first-degree murder life charges. Sentence plus 20 years eligibility after 20 years of that life sentence, and we are told the victim's family signed off on this deal. Richard Arenas's daughter, Maybelline, could only get out a few words before handing off to the prosecutor a packed gallery in this Providence courtroom of broken people, family and friends. Justice Robert Krause is as no-nonsense as they come. He asked Dixon if he understood the prosecutor's recitation of facts and did not like the answer. Did you hear what Mr. Clinton just told me? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Yes. Did you in fact shoot and murder Richard yes. Dixon later turned to the gallery and very softly admitted what he had done, said he didn't expect anyone to forgive him, and added he knows what a broken home feels like. He was later sentenced to life in prison for murder, plus an extra 20 years for the 2012 shooting. He is able to apply for parole after 20 years. The deputy police chief said they firmly believed that Richard was not the intended target, and it was a case of mistaken identity. The intended victim still remains unknown, and Judea has never talked about it further. 
Knowing this didn't change anything for the family, however. Richard's daughter tried to give an impact statement at the sentencing, but she had to give it to the prosecutor to read, as she was so upset. To everybody's surprise, Judea turned to the family and apologised. I'm not asking none of you to forgive me. It's unrealistic, you know. I'm not expecting you to. But at the end of the day, I apologise. Family members gracefully said they appreciated his apology and were channelling Richard's accepting and loving personality in that moment. For those Richard left behind, the pain they feel is as raw today as ever. To have their loved one snatched away in cold blood with no rhyme or reason and no explanation will always leave them with more questions than answers. Beatrice said, Judea took everything from me. He took the person that provided for us. He took my backbone, my soulmate. A loving family man, never shying away from work and never turning anyone away that asks for help. The community still feels, and will likely always feel, the loss of Richard Arenas. <laughs> 